Welcome to Re-Engage, the weekly podcast where we watch and discuss episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. Our cultural bridge officers dissect each episode as well as the pop culture and world events that took place when it first aired. We're a bunch of Gen X adults returning to the series we loved as kids to see how it holds up. So listen to your mother and let's re-engage. We're looking at... Of course, episode known as Haven, Stardate 41294.5. But before we get into that, let's say hello to our cultural bridge officers themselves, Mr. Greg Tito. Hi, Greg. Hi, Kate. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Thank you very much. It's lovely to see your face over a Zoom screen. Absolutely. It's one of my favorite times of the week. And uh, if you need your luggage carried, I'm happy to ask the captain to to help. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, speaking of uh, funny men who fall down, let's welcome Eric Gratton. Hi, Eric. I thought you might be referring to me. <laughs> uh, the branding is all important, and uh, I am Eric who falls down. Uh, hello, everyone from the woods of Gig Harbor, Washington. It is so good to see your faces. And of course, last but not least, Mr. Jimmy G. Hey, Jimmy G. Hey, how you how are, doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. It's good to see you guys. Uh, excited to be a cultural bridge officer and report for duty and, and talk about this crazy show Indeed. and all its shenanigans. Yes, one of my uh, one of my standout episodes actually actually from season one. I I remember this episode clearly. Uh, I did not remember that its initial air date was November thirtieth, nineteen eighty seven. I did have to be reminded about that. Uh, it had a it had a Nielsen rating of ten point three. Uh, the song topping the charts. One of my favorites to this day. Ooh, baby, do you know what that's worth? Ooh, heaven is a place on earth. Mm-hmm. Linda Carlisle, so come on now. I just now. felt the 80s in my we veins. We have had some classics coming through this this uh, season already. So just I remember every so word good. to every one of them. It's so good. It, it takes me back to that time period. Just I remembered, I think it was Circles in the Sand was another one, Belinda Carlisle song. <laughs> I just remember her on the beach, like kneeling and being um, so fresh faced that you just wanted to die. Oh, Belinda oh. Carlisle. Yeah, and she, this was her first like big standout hit after she had left Bananarama. Go goes. Go goes. Yes. Go goes, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> You're from the generation before me. You're into the bangles. <laughs> the bangles. That's right. Oh. Bangles are indeed fantastic. You're correct. I, I think Susanna Hoff is just about perfect. And I also stand her acting career. So uh, anytime we want to get into uh, the bangles and go-go's, I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> it's very close to her being in a Star Trek episode. At any moment, it's going to happen. She would have fit in perfectly with like the 70s kind of disco vibe of the costumes of this particular episode. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) Nicely put. Uh, When you weren't listening to Belinda Carlisle, you were probably at the movie theater seeing Three Men and a Baby directed by none other than Mr. Leonard Nimoy himself. Oh, hell yes. Yes. What a Spock. What a Star Trek connection. I, I didn't know. know that. Did he put it's the wonderful. ghost 
in the background as well? Well, you mean the of the dead man? <laughs> the dead, like the kid, right? Like yeah, died like, in the house. That was the urban it, legend I was. Told. I thought I thought it was one of the uh, one of the like stage hands or union it's hands. It's a grip. Uh, yeah, died and and you could see him hanging. Is what I remember the rumor being. I do like you could see the shadow detail. of it. I do remember that. I detail. feel like it's a grip that's caught behind one of those glass walls in like the kitchen set of that movie. <laughs> and there's a there's a moment where you can just kind of see it move as the camera pans by, and that's and that's the thing. But I'm in favor of it being like a dead drug dealer instead, <laughs> if we can keep it within the, the realms of the movie itself. That's hilarious. I have memories of that movie being number one at the box office for like six months. I for a like long time. I feel like that thing was just a monster hit like we don't experience with, you know, basic family comedies anymore. Yeah. And forgive me if I'm wrong, but the basic premise of that movie is here's a baby and three m- and three men go. Yeah. yeah. And I think that the note says, like, I don't know which one of you is the father. Is the, is the father. Like that, right? Yeah. So okay. Like, let me, let me break this so down. So wait, is it, is, is it no, no, Mama no, no, no. Mia? Yeah. It's the second half. Am I conflating Mama Mia? Am I conflating it? It's Jack. It's Jack. I can't take it anymore or something like that. I'm sorry. Here is our daughter. And it's Ted Danson's daughter, but he's out of the country shooting a uh, very low budget uh, feature film. And uh, he has told one of his uh, low life scumbag commercial director friends that he will take care of a package that will arrive tomorrow while I'm out of town. But then he told his roommate, it's okay, there's a package coming. You need to take care of it, and it's just a couple days, and someone will come by and pick it up. And so they wake up in the morning, and there's a baby on the doorstep, mm. but it's the wrong package. But they think it's that package. But the other guys think it's cocaine, but it's a baby, but maybe it's cocaine. <laughs> and then um, Paul Guilfoyle from CSI is a bad guy drug dealer, and then the, the whole movie is over, and everybody's fine. And then the sequel is, of course, Three Men and a Little Lady. And a Little Lady, And yeah. it mm. takes place in England. Wow, thank you, Eric. This is why we brought you along. This yeah. is why... <laughs> Holy cow. You are the I data of useful. this cultural bridge uh, officer quotient here. Thank you. Uh, well, speak, speaking of uh, the reason we're all here and why we're all friends, uh, this uh, beautiful episode, uh, which was a teleplay by Tracy Torme, who was a writer for SNL, actually, during the 1982 and 83 season, oh. um, and co-created Sliders. What? 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 Co-created Sliders. Amazing. Uh, but one of my favorites wrote the screenplay for 1993's Fire in the Sky, Speaking of movies that fucked me right the fuck apart. I love that movie. Robert Patrick and uh, what's his name who directed Battleship? (laughs) Peter Berg, right? (laughs) I love that movie. That movie... That that's the that's the one where the guy uh, is it DB Sweeney or no who is DB Sweeney, right? Yes. Yes, and gets uh gets uh the money taken by uh by aliens. Oh right. The, the beam of light hits his chest and kidnaps him. And from I've his watched truck. enough. I've watched enough ancient aliens to know that it's based on a supposedly true story. Mm-hmm. They all are. Well, of course. They? Yes. But that movie legitimately, when I saw it, fucked me up. Like, it is upsetting. I absolutely loved it. I have a memory of it coming out, like, not too long uh, 
before or, or relatively the same time as Phenomenon, do, which do, has a do, much do. different tone. Yes. <laughs> in a John Travolta. <laughs> but like Phenomenon is this, this kind of nice, like John Travolta in a goofy thing that then they somehow they merge it into war games. Uh, but then this Fire in the Sky really wanted to send us 13-year-olds straight to the nightmare world yeah. that uh, that we then inhabited uh, free of charge for them. Yeah, for... The, the bulk of the movie takes place on the alien craft where you watch him just being tortured again and again mm-hmm. by by awful implements of, of science. What? <laughs> I, didn't, I, I remember hearing that that movie was terrible and, you know, had the, the surgical horror thing going on. And I remember, like, the hushed tones being like, oh, no, we could never watch that in our family. <laughs> but that's that's the reputation I had of this being like this horrible uh, thing, and that's I, I didn't remember it until just. It's now. a gateway movie. It's a gateway movie to, to horror movie fandom, much like The Gate, which Ooh. I did see. <laughs> uh, the story the story was by Tracy uh, Torme as well as Lan Okun, who co-wrote several Ooh. episodes of The Love Boat. Um, oh, hell yeah. And was a writer on his sister-in-law, Sherry Lewis's Lamb Chop play-along. Oh, Lamb Chop. Lamb Chop. The that lamb chop. is incredible. Come on now. It was his sister-in-law, and he wrote a bunch of the stuff for Lamb Chop to sing and play. And for those of you who don't remember Lamb Chop and Sherry Lewis, uh, look it up. I get mean, thee to YouTube. Get, get thee to YouTube. Absolutely. Guys, watching that on like WPN, uh, you know, Channel Nine, I it was <laughs> such a thing. Uh, that little puppet. I remember sock puppet. Yeah. yeah. With a tidy little voice, I feel like. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he wrote. So this guy, the same guy, wrote all of these movies and all, and and on that. Well, co- co-wrote. Episodes of the Love Boat. Uh, look, and then a lot of things with <laughs> Lamb Chop. There's some space in the middle. It's a very varied yeah. career, though. You have to admit. Yeah. True. 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 Uh, it was directed by Richard Compton, who actually appeared as an actor twice in the original series. In fact, when oh. he directed this, it was something like twenty years to the day since he had filmed his nice. uh, appearance. A walk-on uh, role. That's a walk-on role. Uh, and he directed shows like TJ Hooker, mm. Hill Street Blues, yeah. Miami Vice, Charmed, and The X-Files, and later directed and produced episodes of Babylon 5 and Sliders. There's a connection. connection. There's a Sliders friends connection. Hire friends Little and nepotes. they make all the stuff. Yes. So, but that's some, uh, uh, especially for uh, for Richard Compton, those are some great bon fides. Um getting the sliders in there and, and Babylon five and next generation. That's X files. Genre hero. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, speaking of people who come from other places, some amazing guest stars in this episode. Um, Holy shit. Starting yes. with Carol Strucken as hum, 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 Mr. Hum, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Hum. Hum. We call him Mr. Uh, this is the only episode where we ever hear hum talk. Uh, and of course, Carol is best known for playing Lurch in the first two Adams Family movies, and Genius. as the giant, aka the fireman, in Twin Peaks, which was when uh, I first got to know him, I believe. Yeah, uh, but this 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 predates Twin Peaks, does it not? It does. This would predate Twin Peaks, yes. So yeah. uh, yes, I would have gotten to know him in this context briefly. Briefly, yes. 
But I, I mean, speaking as someone whose father was very large and I was becoming large, uh, I always really, really enjoyed it when the seven footer would. Yes, that's that's I'm just a big fan of that from way back and will continue to. I got to walk down the hall once when I was on tour with the Trans-Siberian Orchestra many years ago and we were in Houston and I, I got out of the shower after the show and I was walking down the hall and coming out of the other locker room were Tracy McGrady and Yao Ming and Whoa. I felt like a tiny, tiny child. Just a tiny child and I'm six foot three and it was such a lovely experience. <laughs> Just yeah. to be near such crazy, crazy height. And then you Yao Ming like- and is eight and a half feet. He just picked you up and held you like a baby and rocked you. Cute sleep. little baby. It's the best <laughs> night's sleep I ever got. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I've been listening to a lot of Trans Siberian Orchestra of late. It is it is in the road for the for the music. Right. Yeah, the holiday music. Yeah. I'm happy to not be on that tour this year. (laughs) Uh, Armin Shimmerman makes a guest appearance for the briefest of seconds, uh, playing a gift box. The box. I fucking love it. That was Armin Armin Shimmerman. I didn't even look that up. I love that. I know. Isn't that crazy? And this episode was actually filmed first. So this was his technical first uh, Trek uh, appearance was on this episode. Actually, episode 105. Yeah, so it was filmed before, uh, yeah, right oh, before after a lot of them. Code of Honor, oh, and then before uh, uh, the um, the one where we see the planet of the Hitler Youth Nazis <laughs> and uh, several of those other ones. It was uh, very early. I wonder if they didn't put it after Code of Honors because that one was uh, like the, almost a death scene with uh, what's her name. It's like we can't go to comedy right away. We need to like sort of work <laughs> right. into. Just straight up yucks. Well, speaking of straight up yucks, in in this very funny episode, the romantic lead for the love of all that's good, uh, and I never know how to uh, is it Robert Nepper? Is that how I always, yes yes Nepper, um, who you know from the series Carnival, um, but uh-huh. you probably most know as Teabag in Prison Break. <laughs> yeah. This guy. Every character he plays is terrifying, and here he is playing the swoony romantic yeah. lead, yeah, whose cheekbones could cut glass, and you do yeah. not, sh- you do not trust him no. around your loved one. No, <laughs> he walks in the room, and I'm like, no, no, run, run, Deanna. <laughs> and the thing is, is I remember, as I said, I remember this episode, and I had a total crush on him. Like, I totally like had this idealized version of him. And the moment he showed up on screen, I recognized him. And like you, Eric, I, I screamed. I could not <laughs> believe who it was. Uh, I did find out, however, um, I did not know that he appeared as the main protagonist in a Red Shoe Diaries. As Whoa. a guy gets pulled over and seduced by a female police officer mm-hmm. played by Denise Crosby. What? Oh, you're kidding. What? <laughs> that. Is cool Holy as hell. cow. I bet they traded some stories when they were like, <laughs> remember when we were on that show? <laughs> remember how they were oh objectifying you on Star Trek? <laughs> and also, how many, we all tried to watch the Red Shoe Diaries back then, right? Like, that's... Oh, yeah. Okay. Sometimes it was a little squiggly. A little squiggly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The tuning, the tuning thing. You would is be that like, is that, that an elbow or is that a, a tit? I don't know. <laughs> is that the but one I that like Duchovny it. was like mm-hmm. the, uh, mm-hmm. the play within a play character? 
Yeah. Yeah. So you could kind of go, no, it's just this show about a guy with a, with a diary, right. and it's, he's just reading it. It's you know, and then nothing you know, dirty about that. He can't help what's starts. written in the book. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Riker's harp porn. Oh, oh that was my amazing. God. Oh, my well. God. Oh, my God. Uh, okay. Alone. <laughs> alone. Alone. I haven't talked about our, our main guest star, but we should talk about. I, I wrote down in my notes in all capital letters, what is Riker watching? I want it to go away forever. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that he talks to them. He's like, sorry, duty calls, ladies. <laughs> Click. And I don't want to kink shame or anything. No, like, if that is, no. like, what... But also, there was something totally about cool. the the aspect, like, the ratio of their size. They were to smaller. The, to, like, they... Uh, but, and just s- s- And you smiling. didn't know how small they were until after, right? Like, no. at first, you just see a close-up of them playing. And then it's after, it's like, sorry, ladies. And you're like, oh, that's... Uh, <laughs> that's a little... And then like, he shows up... He shows up in the transporter room and bites Tasha's head off. Like, you needed me, Lieutenant. Right. You do you know what I was about life. to do? It was It was a very, <laughs> very like, Jeffrey Tubin kind of moment. You know how long it, it takes was. me. You know how long it takes me. I have to watch four hours of harps before anything happens. <laughs> it took me I'm a sorry, long time to find that harp duo. But I'm really into harp core. <laughs> Triple X. I hate that I didn't think of that. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. And the funny thing is, is like nowadays, okay. if you uh, turn that scene just like a little bit, like that's a villain scene that you, oh, absolutely. That you get the reveal and you're like, oh, that's a bad guy. He just kicked the dog. <laughs> right. <laughs> or, or today, that's the scene that would make sure that the, us, the audience, knows that we can't give too much credence to what this guy does in front of people. Because this is what, what this he really is. Yeah. He watches. So keep this in mind for later in the season when we're supposed to trust this guy. You know, totally. is, is what it would be if it was in a TV show today, that same scene. And then he spends the rest of the episode all pissed off that Deanna's in love with somebody else. Well, as we know, this is a this is a tough episode for, as they call him, Bill. Uh, only twice, Bill. Bill. Bill, this is Bill. the second and last time that he is called Bill. But this is a hard episode for old Bill. He's got a lot of issues. Deanna is, uh, we find out, engaged, has been for a long time in in an arranged marriage. uh, And and what is happening is we are meeting for the first time Luxana Troy. Mm -hmm. Also, everybody bow. Every fucking buddy bow to Magil Barrett, the first lady of Star Trek. Yes. As we know, or don't know, you should know, married to Jean from 1969 to 1991. The only performer to have had a role in the first six Star Trek series, usually as the voice of computers, but still managed to have a presence on each of those. Uh, originally played, uh, well, most well known for playing um, Luxana, as well as Nurse Chapel and later yes. Dr. Chapel. Right. Uh but I I had forgotten, I, I mean, it's part of her lore, but uh, about the cage, which I'm sure, Jimmy, you know all about that, the, the, which was uh, one of two pilots for Star Trek. And Luxana, or sorry, Magil, uh, right? was number one. Yeah, r- a role written for her um, uh, under Christopher Pike uh, as, uh, as captain. And wow, the notes, the notes from the studio head were get rid of Spock. 
and get rid of Magil. <laughs> and they said that no one would ever buy a, a female in control uh, of of a starship. No one's so, going to like an olive-skinned guy with pointy ears. I can tell you that. We've... Um, is it is I mean we can get rid of this, but I just want to make sure is it Magil or Majel? I always thought it was Magil, but maybe it is Majel. I thought it was Maj- Majel. Oh well, aren't we? <laughs> we are Gen X. Let's not even look it up. Majle uh, <laughs> said that since Roddenberry fought for Spock but agreed to drop number one, she said that Roddenberry kept the Vulcan and married the woman because he didn't think Leonard would have it the other way around. That's a good now, this <laughs> this cute. account has actually been disputed, uh, and a book came out uh, later that said that the studio was actually fine with a woman. It just was her that they were not okay with, that they didn't mm. think she was a leading lady uh, material. And so the, the thought there is that Jean made up that reason to basically make her not feel so bad so who knows what the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle there uh but that is a disputed story Mm. well i'll pretend that this is a deep fake uh if it comes out uh but uh i would say that i i tend not to necessarily take the studio's word for it that they (laughs) wanted to be progressive but those damn directors wouldn't let them and I would have gotten away with uh, but, it, too. <laughs> but, of course, if any of the studios are listening right now, I'd love to work with you in any capacity you can think right. of. You're all great. You're great. <laughs> so let's talk about that first wonderful moment when uh, Luxana comes into, uh, gets beamed in backwards, making <laughs> just like the best entrance ever. Uh, and we know that we're in for something very special, I think, the moment that she hits the screen. For me, it's when it's when Deanna says to Picard the the line of like, I should warn you, <laughs> she's a bit eccentric. And before you, you don't really know what to expect. Right. I mean, you get kind of like, oh, hands, you know, she's got like a, a mom uh, figure. And that was the one I remember even watching as a child, just being like, oh, there's 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 about to be some drama popping in. And I think that's because I used to watch General Hospital with my mom. And that's Ooh. what this episode <laughs> reminds me probably the most of it's the is, cue is that like. The whole yeah. soap opera genre is 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 through this episode. Well, you're you're right. As soon as she figures out her mom's there, it's not just like a the sitcom vibe of most of the rest of the episode. She puts her hands over her mouth, her voice quakes, and she takes four steps backwards, going, "No, oh no!" And I'm <laughs> like, "Oh my god, where is this going? It's incredible." Right. Well, and right before Loxana, we get the silver box. I yeah. mean. It it literally pukes gems all over the transporter floor. <laughs> and you kind of know, all right, this is not going to be a time travel episode. Nobody's <laughs> going to be at the brink of death. You, this is going to be a genetic bonding think. episode. Uh, but I, mean, that, I love the box. <laughs> and then I didn't, I didn't remember it. And then when I saw it come up, I'm like, this is... Absolutely amazing <laughs> that some actor no got to do that. I have no idea how that didn't stick in my head, but agreed. I did not remember that at all. Right. Mm-hmm. And then and then spitting gems all over the floor. And then it has a great payoff at the end. 
Keep the box. Keep the box. You're going to need it. <laughs> You're going to need it. <laughs> that whole visual effect, though, was so interesting with the... Because you're like... I think the, the conversation was like, how are we going to do this? How are we going to have like a talking box? Maybe we can do it with digital, blah, blah, blah. And someone was just like, no, we're going to do this old school and put it in makeup. Right. It's going to be a human face right. like the circus. And you're going to love it. And I feel like they were like, yeah, sure. That's all we can do. Yeah, uh, that, I think that's all they could do. Yeah. They were like, could we do a digital? No. Are you crazy? We can't do that. Not in 1987. <laughs> what do you think we got reading rainbow money? <laughs> yeah. That guy's going to stick his face in some latex. He's going to scream while he's laying on his belly, and that's your shot. Well, they spent their whole budget on that chameleon rose. <laughs> oh, yeah. They blew it all. True. I want to know, by the way, I want to know very badly what all of those colors on that chameleon rose means, because I grew up in the 80s, so I am a big fan of mood rings. And it always meant something. And the moment that uh, that she gets it from Wyatt, it turns silver. Then when mom shows up, it turns white. And then later when she gets sad, it turns blue. <laughs> it's a little on the nose. So oh, I've got one of heavy. them. I've got one of them. <laughs> I know what blue uh, means. White is anger? Uh, anger? Yeah, like white, white, white hot anger? White hot white anger. Hot, white right? knuckle? Like, yeah. Heaving. Silver is cold. Indifference. <laughs> ooh, ooh, nice. Yeah. We get that, that clean cut Robert uh, Nepper look, uh, which is the only, uh, maybe the only time on screen he's ever looked not like a serial killer. Right. I mean, he went, he went from looking like 19 leading man to 10 years later looking 45. <laughs> like the hair is gone, but he is even more striking like as an adult villain because yes. he's always a villain but like yes. i i watched this just kind of thinking about people like him like the guy who was in that thing the the woman that you see but never learn the name and you just kind of fall in love with them as actors but they're that level of fame where you don't quite memorize the name you just mm -hmm. smile when they show up yeah and he was that for me until today and today i'm like god damn it i have to learn his name and it it's a moment that i look forward to and dread with every actor because i want to just enjoy your shit i call that the toblowski effect <sighs> That's so funny. Yeah. I was just going to mention that because I was watching Freaky Friday, the more modern version of that, and he's in it. And I was like, it's that guy. It's that guy. <laughs> yeah, that was his whole podcast theme. Yes, I love guy. him. I love him. Uh, can we talk about Picard and that luggage? I just yes. need Eric dissect that for me. I mean, all of you are willing, you know, please just I, chime in. I found myself wondering if when they set it down, they did it in such a way that the front of it is off camera and they could load the weights out of it so that the, the thing pays off so well because Patrick Stewart does that so well. So it well. It looks heavy. It looks really like heavy. It's, it's how I would hope I would do it. There's, there's no mm -hmm. emphasizing it. It just looks like the way a dude carries a heavy thing. And you see the joke coming, but also like it looked heavy. So maybe... You know, and it's it was fucking great. What do you guys think? I think it's amazing. That you can't top it. It's exactly right. It's a joke now that is almost antiquated because when you're having luggage, it's always rolling. You know, at this mm. at oh, nowadays. Sure. Right. But back then, that was a new thing, right? That was right. like, oh, the rolling suitcase. Right. That means you're rich. You know, and so you had to carry around <laughs> these big bags. And that you know, the kids today, they're not going to really get that joke right? as much. 
Um, right? I love that exhalation. Oof, oof, and he like leans to the yeah, side. Just, like I, I can feel like, oh man, that is that that looks really heavy. And I hate it. That's and, true. Yeah, and I hadn't so thought much. about that. Like they can break apart particles and send your mo molecules through space and reassemble them somewhere else. But nobody's thought of how to make luggage lighter. I never <laughs> thought of that. <laughs> and then when they get to her room, she turns and, and says to him, you can go. <laughs> you can go. And he gives just the most beautiful the nod. Bow. Yeah, just this little bow. And it's just so, so beautiful. Seeing him in this like perfunctory role is uh, adorable. Like you, you, I, I, I can love the fact that this captain is just all of a sudden put in a vulnerable state, and he's like, "I just want to get out. That's all I want to do." And the comedy yeah. of that is just so good. And from an acting standpoint, you watch it, and it it occurs to you that Patrick Stewart has decided that synthesized within his very being Jean-Luc knows he is in charge he is the captain people listen to him and do what he says and he never quite forgets that and it's wonderful when another actor doesn't quite do it because he always reacts he always reacts with surprise when he gets treated differently than he's expecting and he does it in such a beautiful like mm -hmm. uh, uh, it's the thing that makes him least sure on earth is when someone just treats him like a chum yeah I wonder yeah. if this would have been different for Patrick in episode or in season two or three, if they would have brought Luxon on because it being the fifth one that they filmed, mm. you know, one, they're still really like, he's the crutch. You're like, okay, Pat, you got to take this. We don't quite know about everybody else yet, but we know you got the chop. So you got to do this and he's figuring it out. So, and, and he does it, you know, brilliantly all the time. But I wonder if, it would have been if he would have taken as much of a uh, let's have some fun and some yucks later on as he did so early in the the development of Picard. I mean, and he does it flawlessly, like you said, like the little nod at the end as the doors close is exactly like you said, because, you know, like when you're doing Shakespeare, they say, don't act like a king. Everyone else will treat you like a king. And right. he's not acting like a captain he's expecting everyone else to treat him like a captain and when they don't exactly he's like, it's yeah. odd that you would not do that his role in this definitely um, feels like a shakespearean farce right like he's he's the uh you know uh, uh lord capulet in yeah. this in this thing like he's the one who's like the perfunctory he's trying to keep everything going and smoothly and that's his role and i love that he just embraced it and he's trying to be as kind to his uh uh you know counselor as possible while also trying realizing that he's like out out of my league here when talking to Loxana. The only time he breaks uh, is when he's like, "It was not funny." Right, I was and not then, amused. Right, uh, and, and you're like, "Well, it's neat too because you you look back at his early career in stuff like uh, Excalibur or I Claudius, and he is humorless. Like it is all." very very strict and and rigid and violent and angry and machiavellian at times but mostly kind of direct straightforward punching uh and then this i think really is the third big screen thing that the u.s really remembers him for and right away you get some very funny but it's not what i remember but then as an adult now all I think of is how funny this man is. Like, even as I'm, I'm watching Picard, because I know so much about his social media presence and the way he interacts with fans and things like that now, 
I know that this man just gets high and drunk and laughs his ass off all day long. <laughs> right. And it's super fun to watch him do this stuff in the 90s because I hope he did that then and just hid it from me better. <laughs> uh, have I shared my Patrick Stewart story? I don't Why, know. Why, no. No, you have not. So, <laughs> 91-ish, I was in Monterey, California, and I went up to San Jose to a Star Trek convention what? Uh, where Patrick Stewart was talking and I got to ask a question Amazing. in the audience. And I asked, of course, for uh, advice as an actor. And his advice to me was enjoy your auditions because for most acting or actors, it's the only acting you ever get to do. <laughs> so that That's was cool. my take on Patrick Stewart from the beginning, almost, uh, you know, <laughs> a few years after uh next generation because i mean that's kind of funny and you know it's it also cuts to the core it's like you yeah. probably won't make it kid so enjoy every time <laughs> you get to stand in front of people regardless of what it is um so and i still don't know a lot about what this great actor has done outside of the american productions mm. you know because of course dune is my first real tangible oh, sure. experience yeah. with patrick stewart as gurney um and uh but again humorless and but not without soldier. uh yeah i mean he's the he's the lovable soldier though the one who does poetry and is a little body uh and then oh that's right. if you uh if you had the 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 privilege to see playing shakespeare um the the, the series where all the great british actors talk about shakespeare and barton john barton who who's the the early uh, dramaturg for uh, the Royal Shakespeare Company, and he wrote um, Tantalus in later years. Uh, he takes these, you throw a British actor name out there, and they're on the set. And a very young uh, Peter Laurie, is it Peter Laurie? And uh, Patrick Stewart, who's Laurie? No. House. Hugh, Hugh Laurie. Hugh Laurie. A very, yeah. very fresh faced Hugh Laurie and Patrick Stewart are on there, and they have this fantastic fantastic scene uh that they act out um and very funny yeah that's awesome i don't know if it was <laughs> <laughs> uh i did note that there was a, a brief moment as we're introduced to luxana uh and watching picard carry this massive suitcase down the hall where they try to explain away troy's accent for a hot second <laughs> she basically says to deanna uh every time i hear you you sound like your father and then, like, that's it. Uh, and which to me is they're like, why do you sound British? <laughs> and, she, <laughs> and she does it. She it's does great, not. Right. But also, you know, we know that it's, it gives us that little connection to, to her father. But then I think, don't they introduce her father at some point? And he, yeah, and he's he's super American. He's super American, does not have a British <laughs> accent, so it does not work. Uh, so then it, it retcons the, right. the comment into meaning the tone of voice. Yes, yes. yes. And yes. They forgot, just like they forgot. I mean, they forgot that, and then they forgot because Encounter at Farpoint, we see Riker and Troy had this kind of love thing, and then it's, it's gone. We don't see any of it. it Riker pimps people out on the Hitler youth planet. And then on this one is back to being in love. So it's like, it's a Star Trek thing where they introduce something. And you're like, mm, what did we say about that? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Her dad's American now. He's accused a lot of wanting to be a captain more than he wants to, yes. to, to marry or, or have a relationship with Troy. Like that's, he's, he does get thrown in his face a lot. And I think at one point he's like, 
well, I want other things too. Yeah. No, Wyatt has this beautiful burn where, where he's saying, you know, he, Riker is talking to Deanna and saying like, well, this isn't fair to me and it's not fair to him and you should tell him. And Wyatt shows up and she basically says, oh, remember that guy I was telling you about? <laughs> this is him, which undercuts that yeah. argument. And then he goes, oh, the one who wants to beca- become captain. And then essentially says, you have good luck with that. Yeah. So anyway, Deanna, like <laughs> it's just such a beautiful. <laughs> I'm sure you have a lot to do on this big ship of yours. Oh yeah, it it takes a lot of work to keep this whole thing, yeah, or something like yes, that. Yes, yes. Uh, it, oh, just great shade. Like, and, and then like even when he's leaving, he gives Deanna this one big more one more big kiss. Like he is a villain in this every bit as much as he is in prison. That's break. so amazing. I'm uh, usually more pessimistic than you guys, and I didn't see that as shade. <laughs> I totally missed that. I just thought it was an earnest. Like he's a nice guy. Like no, this takes a lot of work. I'm sure he. Didn't spend I enough did. time in the Midwest. I Jim. didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I that missed a, the shade. Oh my goodness. Well, and it's you got this what beautiful moment. I was on the right, right side. <laughs> <laughs> I feel cheated. Like I was lied to. Like how Luxana Troy perhaps was lying to Wyatt this whole time. Now, Greg, you have this theory. Yeah, you got to share this theory. Is it wrong? I, I, I tell me, tell me. Uh, you, you, you briefly mentioned this in an email. I am, I am intrigued. It's more of a question mark because I, it's still not really explained why he's having these visions of this woman who's coming on the the Tellurian ship, right? And it, and we don't know. It, we we seem maybe it's destiny. It's the idea that like, oh, you were betrothed to someone else. Oh, this was, you know, destiny betrothing you to this other one. That's what's more important. But I had this thought about like. Wh- was this Luwaxana the entire time psychically implanting another desirable mate so that she didn't have to go through with this thing that she was been trying to sabotage the entire time? Like she doesn't want Deanna to marry Wyatt. And so I had this crazy idea and I was like, is that what if they have that scene, Luwaxana and Wyatt have that scene and it's not mm-hmm. clear to me. Is that interpretation possible or am I, what do you guys think? I think it's fascinatingly wrong, but. (laughs) (laughs) Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. Why? Why do you think it is? No, I I, I didn't get that. I I see where you're coming from. Uh, To me, uh, she is not actively against this. I mean, she's a little bit apologetic about it, but she's more excited about pressing forward with her vision of what it's going to be. Hmm. Uh, and I don't, I, I didn't see her as like being her, a, a roadblock in this, in this wedding, like actively. And, and from that conversation, sort of, I took her to be like, the world is a lot simpler than we make it. There's connections, everything's connected. So you're trying to look for some deep meaning, but this is just the way it is. It's like sort of whenever there's uh something that's confusing in like Harry Potter or something, the answer is always, well, magic uh so i think here maybe the answer is well connection I, love love <laughs> love conquers all i i will say that i i have i'm of two minds my first mind is that um i need to ask greg are you saying that you didn't draw a bunch of pictures of Aaron before you guys because <laughs> that's how it works well, her, her <laughs> beta dead mother the rest of us did that with uh, our partner was convincing me the entire um, time to get married yes exactly 
<laughs> uh, and my other thing is I had never considered that, but my new whole thing in, in life and canon is that if I hadn't considered it and someone says it and I like it better than what the episode is implying, then in fuck it, it's canon to me. And I like that theory. So now that's what fucking happened. I mean, I'm, I'll take it. I'll take it. It, if we it believe makes that it a Picard, lot richer. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Because otherwise it's just unexplained. It's just like, oh, it's destiny. Um, but like if we believe that the Picard that we just watched in this episode is actually a meat c- copy of the Picard from the previous episode, then we can believe this too. Luxana is a little yeah, bit evil. Which, as Jimmy, you pointed out, it, yeah, you're right. Oh, that is kind of, that, that's not a good well, act. Yeah if, yeah, if it's true, if she did that, then she's a mind raper. Like, that's not okay to... Well, but she is. Totally. <laughs> right. uh, you, you change this person's destiny by making them think something that wasn't true. Uh, and, and that is... Something that I don't think that this group of writers was brave enough <laughs> to ever consider. Well, let me I <laughs> counterpoint think they that because imply that one of the big arguments between Luxana and Deanna is that Deanna won't use her powers in any sort of active way, and and Luxana I think feels like it's fine. Yeah, she doesn't yeah, care. Not, like she's just like, hey, we I have yeah, this power. Why can't I people's use thoughts? It? She'll do all that shit all the time. And here's a question. I didn't really think about it until just now what it implies because it implies that she is capable of this do you think all of the times that she tells uh, that men are having lascivious thoughts about her do you think that they're actually having those thoughts no I, I think it is I think it is uh, about 50 50 <laughs> I yes. I think what I hope it is is that she says it because she knows that saying it will make we'll everyone make it in the we'll room make it happen. think it, and right. then she gets to think of she gets to see everyone in the room's right. thoughts about what it would be like for the thing that she has. And how is that different than what she what I'm proposing? That's exactly what I'm proposing, just on a larger, longer scale. And, and a much, much more uh, and distance and time and space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Let's forget about that part of it. <laughs> well, and hold on, Kate. You it's wanted to say something because I want to talk about. I want to talk about the power of telepathy. How Go it's presented. It. Go for it. When I'm watching, when I watched it last night, I'm like, it, they presented in a way where I don't see how this is any different than just talking. Like you're literally talking in your head. So you're not doing anything less than, but using your vocal cords. So it's not like you're saving energy. I guess it's private. It's private. But you still feel like I'm doing, I'm being animated. You can't see that podcast listeners, but in the episode, the actors are also being animated as they only talk in their mind. I'm like, this doesn't seem like a very effective way of communicating or any more effective (laughs) than just talking, Eric. I was thinking specifically about that when it happened too, and what I came up with was that uh, Magil was uh, <laughs> making kind of a brilliant choice, it, it, and one that I would never make. And what I equated it to is uh, a person in the deaf world who spends a lot of their time in the hearing world, both signing and speaking mm. at the same time. And then when they find themselves with someone that they don't need to necessarily do both, they still do both or even move back and forth because they spend so much of their time doing that. 
And so I kind of loved that she was still using her hands and using her uh, facial attitudes to uh, portray meaning while she. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it's hard to argue with you because that's really, really, yeah, no, that's fantastic point. But it sort of belies her argument of why don't you use your powers? You know, like she's acting like a person who talks (laughs) and behaving like a person (laughs) who talks. But she's saying, don't be a person who talks. Just use your telepathy. So it's weird because. I don't know. You're kind of convincing me to the other way, but I still also, I think you're proving <laughs> the opposite point. Um, well, Greg weird. and I have, have been talking about this the whole time while you two have been talking. It's We've just right. been using telepathy. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> yeah. funny, this. funny production thing too, as you guys are saying this, do you think someone on set read aloud the voiceover lines? They must've, right? That must've been I how... did wonder that because it is perfectly sort of yeah. uh, or at the very least they were saying them to themselves because it's too it's too good uh sort of i mean they might even have done the voiceover first and oh played the right. actual actually that probably would have been smarter them. yeah but it's interesting that's how movies get made <laughs> and that's what the podcast uh, is all about. we have not talked about how everybody gets the best hair in this us uh, <gasps> because they all go to the engagement dinner and uh everybody's hair is up um in different ways and tasha yar's hair hello is, tasha is gelled for jesus <laughs> holy uh, moly she could have been in a jazzercise video oh with that hair. my god i it was missing like like some glitter spray in it was just yes. about it yes but it she is was epic. straight out of xanadu i just wanted to see her oh, some yeah. roller skates and she has the best line the most the most tasha yard line where she goes uh the bride and groom are naked like (laughs) 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 yeah and she has that that comb of a rooster kind of look for the whole thing too like i wrote down how much i hate how much we have to talk about what they do to her physically and like design changes for tasha like i hate that we have to do that uh because it's not what the character is supposed to be but they throw so much shit right. at this actor they just throw everything at denise crosby from that spit curl <laughs> in the episode earlier oh. to this weird mm-hmm. ass johnny suede pompadour that she's yes. got going <clears throat> and she just steps on it like a rake in the yard and it's not her fault <laughs> like it's like they've put rat traps all over the hallway and there's nowhere for her to step in this character i you know i just feel like there's no win and every episode i look at it and i'm going well no wonder they they're trying to get rid of you they don't give it's you any they're just like to navigate through do you think this hair was an emmy award winning because it was actually oh. nominated, nominated for an yeah. Emmy award in this uh, did not win sadly I think it was, if they had just done Tasha's yards uh, hair a little for bit for costume better, I, it was nominated no for, for, for ha- uh, hair and for, makeup yeah for hair and in, makeup in that scene in particular all I could think about were the old like 70s early 80s Buck Rogers episodes where they would go to the casino planet <laughs> and Jerry Orbach would be sitting there with like a big gold medallion and like bouncing up and down to disco and that's what they did to all of the costumes in this entire episode but especially this party scene and that ship at the end 
Oh, yes. like, oh, oh God. Yeah. Where everyone <laughs> is wearing some version <laughs> of blue crinoline, uh, creped, <laughs> um, but with varying like degrees of flesh. <laughs> no, we're going to die. Nobody can save us, but we still look good. Look you at this. Halter top. You want this Halter top. <laughs> I I do want to talk more about that uh, that party, though. Yes. Because Data is just such a delight through this whole episode, but particularly through the fighting uh, <laughs> of uh, between Wyatt's mother and Luxana. He just gets the derpiest. It's like he's, it's like he's getting high off yeah. of the experience it's he's so happier seeing them fight than after he slept with <laughs> thing. this brings him more joy he's got like this great smile he's just like it's just so he's in rapture so much fun he's practicing his eye rolls He's practicing his his eyebrow raises and and facial reactions to show them how goofy they're all being. Like he's having it's it's human space camp for him. He's having such a ball. It's so fun, and I love that they have that. Uh, Mr. Hom and him have that connection of like you know what's going on here, and then you can tell crazy the two those two actors certainly hammed it up, and that's why they were next to each other because I don't think Data had that specific you know direction he was supposed to be wandering around but like yeah they had that great moment and then that gong thing i still oh laugh my god <laughs> oh my time. god so good the bell chiming it's so, so annoying good. it's it yeah. reminded me of my children for some reason i don't know why exactly <laughs> but <laughs> and like the tone is is so grating and she's like we are giving thanks I'm like oh my yes god. yes and then troy ends up throwing it down at the end there's just a good button to that scene Oh, everybody topped. Like, Will sulked out of that oh. room, making sure everybody saw him looking at Deanna. So gloomy. And then the parents screamed at each other. Oh, and Deanna, and totally Deanna 16-year-old. That was a very teenage... Mother! Especially you, mother. <laughs> hey, wow, did, I've seen that. Did anybody else have the moment... Uh, this was right before a commercial break where they were like, oh, shit, it's a Torellian vessel, and everyone's all panicky and shit. And my only thought was, what the fuck does that mean? Oh, shit, this is bad. Torellians. And then then they come back from commercial and it turns out, no, I haven't missed anything. They have to have a massively long uh, scene that is just exposition where we learn why this is bad and why this is such a such a everyone to the ready room and tell me why the party ship is bad (laughs) well you gotta understand that it's it's really a caravan and they're they're bringing all kinds of stuff and we can't have them here so we have to shoot them out of the sky yeah it's it's very topical in a weird way right now uh trying to throw it in the middle of these these yuck yuck moments like they, they have a glowing sphere right and, and some i love this this party ship design sphere, cool. man. it kind of reminded yeah. me of one of those giant mouses with like the ball roller oh yeah <laughs> like mouse totally. yeah you can move eat like it's aerodynamic or whatever yeah, like it's, it's ergodynamic ergonomic yeah yeah <laughs> and look like a fun ship not like a disease ridden ship. not they, like a disease they get it on, on that no. ship. They really like do. it looked like that's where you drop some acid and you want to spend some time <laughs> in the dark just listening to some techno and the sound system alone when they first showed uh the, the love of wyatt's life my husband next to me just went holy midriff 
<laughs> only reaction. She does the love. The love interest looks a lot like um, Glenn Close from Ooh, Fatal Attraction. From Fatal Attraction, yes. it's like the hair, everything was like. I, I don't know how those coincide in terms of when they released, but it seemed very reminiscent. It's the first thing I thought of. I was like, ooh. She's going to boil a rabbit in your kitchen. <laughs> you got to pay her some attention. This was the only hard sci-fi, but it is. I agree with you, Kate, saying this. Like, oh, man, let's just get this scene where they're like, we also learned about this in the Academy, Captain. So let exactly. me tell you they're about like, it. I learned about this on school. Yeah, right. Let, let me tell you. It's, right. it's, it's covered so many times. Yes. They each have to explain why they know. Yes. Why they know about the Trillions. Why my thesis was on the Trillions. <laughs> I never thought I'd meet one face to face. It's covered quite extensively. Let's. Can we talk a little bit about our new transporter chief, who I think <laughs> dies? You think dies? I think he dies. Yeah, that's why we. That's why we need a new transporter. You think chief that was again. poison in the little thing that yeah, Wyatt I did? Think, I think Wyatt on his way out killed a transporter. That was chief his first and, and made his murder on screen oh. in his his series of killings. It was that was yeah, it. Yeah. Oh my goodness! You cracked it, what, it open. It wasn't actually Wyatt. It was. The actor killed him, and they just had to cover it. Cover it. Can we also talk about Midriff's friend, who's in charge, and how he played Pap Schmear in all the Naked Gun movies? Oh, what? oh I didn't catch that one. I did not yeah. catch that at all. Wow, it's very important. That we all yes, in pay, very pay important. attention to Pap Schmear. Uh, I also want to pay close attention to Luxana's um, amazing back scooping dress. Yes. Because uh, she was probably what? In her late 40s, early 50s, early mm, 60s. Yeah. Look, I don't know about age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's All so I hard to guess, isn't it? Is that morale with the back of that dress? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah. Sign me up. I did yep. not want her reading my thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> After seeing that backwards stress. I'll tell you straight up. I'll tell you straight up. I was thinking of heart players. Heart <laughs> players just <laughs> strumming on my strings. I want to talk about Wyatt kissing Deanna right before he leaves. Because I think that's a dick move. <laughs> that's boss. That's boss. He's like, yo. Remember um, when we did this? Right. Oh, oh. Bye. Now I'm about to go hook up with a girl who's dying. <laughs> that was it was bogus yeah he's he's carrying his stolen medicine in his hands when he does it like it's 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 right hardcore, but if man. you're gonna leave forever take more right i mean you're gonna yeah. steal like box. take some stuff like this is like he's had one box and Phil, a little thing phil walks on a suitcase <laughs> yes yes if you're going to a death ship take everything like i don't know if i need this but I'm taking it all. Take the face box. <laughs> all of it. All the, the jewels. Box. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm going to die, I want to go out in style. <laughs> can, can I can I talk very briefly about about uh, Mr. Bill Riker and his habit of the beasts comment and the line oh, he throws at Deanna? Yes, please. Please do. <laughs> um this scene was so fucking amazing. <laughs> he comes in and they look at each other. I mean, it, it, Riker decided what to make the holodeck be because he sulked into this room. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna. He said the uh... only thing that that will that will make me be me is a set a set out of my own private Ida. Uh... And 
<laughs> yes, where I can make guitar noises with my mouth <laughs> and no one will bother me. <laughs> and then she comes in and he's like, okay. Oh my God. <laughs> I know I said I didn't want anything. But, you know, it's just, it's, it's bestial, baby. Like it's, it's, it's the animals in the jungle. <laughs> and he tries that actual fucking line on her. <laughs> And it kind of worked. <laughs> you couldn't even get that out. You're like, oh well, my god, that scene is so. She has a great moment where she says, "Because she's like, I thought I was your what? What's the word again? Um, Zana Imzani Imladris. Yeah, my my, <laughs> my beloved, right? Yeah. And then she yeah. goes, "I forget about how you humans can't distinguish between the two kinds of love." Which was interesting. She's like, like, I just like to get yeah. on. I didn't want to be connected. <laughs> I will say that he does something very interesting when he's supposed to like have his emotions boil over, and I, I think we can all just predict what most actors are going to do in that situation with the music behind them and stuff. Like their voice is going to catch a little bit. Their lip might tremble and eventually the, the eyes fill with tears. But what he did instead is one of my other favorite signifiers. And he's, he gave himself a swallow in the middle of a sentence. Mm. And like that or a little throat clear while, while mostly maintaining your composure, I think can be a much more effective way of showing that you're losing your shit than some of the other stuff people pull. And I, w- I really respected that. I thought it was a very cool choice. You can see a little of that director brain working. Mm. I think so. He's a fantastic oh, director. Phenomenal. I once had a friend uh, who did... Uh, I once had a friend. End of, <laughs> end of story. No, I had a friend who uh, worked on Leverage. And when she came back from Portland, you know, to tell me all about it, she was like, I think you would have been really excited there was our my director was some guy from star trek and i think that you probably would know who he was he was really nice and i oh that's lost i I lost my (laughs) shit because that feels unfair it feels unfair that she should get that experience now granted very talented very good (laughs) at what she does hard working and did all of the things you're supposed to do, like got an agent and did that work, but still, it's unfair. <laughs> but still, yeah. fuck her. Uh, but I, I mean, it's interesting seeing Picard, the uh, most uh, recent uh, time with these actors that just came out, uh, and having Troy and Riker be together and have an entire life. And so I was thinking about that while watching this episode. That like, oh yeah, we really do get to see them. Will they? Won't they? For a very long time. For a very long time. <laughs> and and yeah. I will say I I always believed in their love. Like like it's easy like but I was all, I always stand that. I always Don't. definitely like stand that relationship and and wanted that for the ending. You're doing Worf dirty. Worf I know. Was a, was I know. Really good for her. I know. But we'll I know. get to that. <laughs> so we will we get to that. We believe in the multiverse. Give... It's fine. So this takes us uh, to the end. But I would love to know if there's anything else about this episode that that you didn't get to talk about or that that leaves you. Um, of course, uh, on our measurement scale of uh, one to ten uh, enterprises. Mm. Uh, <laughs> oh, enterprises now. All yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, I just thought I would raise level. Uh, yeah. what, what, do you, what do you give this episode? 
Well, I'm going to say I'm going to give it, uh, even though I actually do really like this is a joke rating, I'm going to give it two Enterprises because Wesley and Worf don't appear in this episode. Don't appear. So mm. automatic automatic points deducted. Uh, right. And uh, they were written in. That's the worst part. They were written in, and I think they took away their lines and gave them to other people to save some money because there's a lot of guest stars, I guess. Or the the the, the face box was, uh, was was too much <laughs> on the budget hit, so they couldn't have any more uh, day players. But uh, no. Well, they had several beta and gamma editions of the of the face box. <laughs> Right, they had to, they had to iterate insane. to get to, get to where they got, uh, but yeah, no, I, I I love this episode, this comedy, uh, sci-fi together. It's one of the first ones that feels um, like we're really delving into these characters, that it feels earned. Whereas with Naked Now and the ones that we talked about before, it didn't feel like it. But this one, we're in the middle of it. I feel like I understood the history of these characters and then where it's going to go from. And good writing, Jimmy G. <laughs> Well, I would have given it an eight uh, enterprises, but Greg does bring up a good point. There is no warp, so I'm going to take away two for that, but there was no Wesley, so I'm going to give it back another enterprise and take it up to a solid seven because I think that this is a a solid, solid episode, some great uh, comedy, and there's nothing offensive. Like, we we didn't misuse... (laughs) people or races <laughs> and uh there's no like huge hole of what the hell were they thinking um it's just it's good fun stuff so uh yeah i'll give it a seven enterprise seven enterprises <laughs> eric i'll give it four enterprises Ooh. i'll give it the first two and then the first one from the movie and then this enterprise nice. so we're skipping a couple enterprises in there and none of them after this but i'll give them four of the best enterprises including the first two nice. so i i think this is a great episode i think the only things we didn't really talk about were the plant pet which i want oh. a big plant oh pet yes kisses. and i think the role of Wyatt's dad Mm. is one of the is the kind of role that I would murder to spend my career playing I want to play that role I want to wander around in my fucking pajamas (laughs) and every once in a while make a weird face at the shit my uh, partner is doing and call that a gig because it was I don't mean to be taking anything away from this actor I am sincere it was the best role on that episode. It was the one that everybody would have wanted to have. And I am greedy to have several of those. Nice. Yes. Well, yeah. So five, five enterprises. Nice. Oh, he went up like, one. Add, add he one talked himself him. into add an additional. I did. I did. Those PJs did it for me. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to give it eight. I'm just such a Loxana fan and just uh this this whole episode and i love the way it ties in together the a story and the b story end up being tales of the same story uh yeah. which is kind of a nice little connection um yeah i'm a fan of this episode it's all about connection e- even despite it not having any wesley mm. wow yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i i am convinced uh, eight i i How great wow it. fuck it Nice. How great would it be if he was having his first champagne uh, during the dinner scene, and he got like a little embarrassed, uh, you know, oh. blushing Wesley when they heard about, about what he was when thinking they, when they when they heard about how it was going to be a naked, naked wedding. One. He's like, Ooh. Ooh, naked. I play baseball, and then Beverly Crusher's like, "You're not coming." 
<laughs> Luoxana says something about puberty. Yeah, we missed out. He's yeah, already having you're... those thoughts. You should just I know them. what you're thinking about, Wesley. <laughs> Young man. Keep it up, kid. Young man. Uh, so join us next week for uh, the big goodbye. Oh. I... Whoa. So much to say. I, I... Can I talk about one more Luoxana yeah, line of that course. struck me? She said, and I quote, Stephen Miller tracked me down and reminded me of the vows we had made. And I got to say, that's a sentence that, whose meaning has changed in the last three years. It hits differently. <laughs> you're right. You're right. All right. Sorry. We couldn't get through that without that sentence. You're, you're correct. Thank you. Well, I hope that you uh, enjoyed listening. We enjoyed the speaking part. And we look forward to seeing you next week. And in the meantime, keep those pants wet. Keep wet. Keep them wet. Thanks for being with us on the bridge for this episode of Re-Engage. Next week, we are continuing on our mission with the next episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Follow Re-Engage on Instagram and Twitter at ReEngageTNG to get updates on episode drops and all kinds of fun Star Trek shenanigans. Follow Kate Yeager at Yeagerlicious on Twitter and Insta. Eric Gratton is at Eric Falls Down on Twitter and Insta. Jimmy D is, of course, at the Jimmy G on Insta. Greg Tito is at Greg Tito on Twitter and Greg underscore Tito at Instagram. Reengage is edited and mixed by Krista Curry. Logo artwork by Mojo Jojo underscore 97 on Twitter or Mojo97.com. Theme music is by Ryan Marth. Thanks for listening. Stand by for the saucer section to re-engage. <laughs> <laughs>